Hello, church. I'm excited to be with you today, wherever you're consuming this content. My name is Zach Daniel. I'm the lead pastor of Antioch Community Church in Dallas. And I want to share a scripture with you and speak to you about it for the next several minutes, about a new season that our church is entering into. As you guys know, we're moving into a new building, and with a new building comes a new season. We had our Easter service last weekend. It was awesome. We were outside in the park by our new office space. We had baptisms. We had testimonies. We had people from many different nations, rich, poor, young, old, uh, formal, informal. It was awesome. Praising the name of Jesus together, celebrating the resurrection. As we turn the corner, you know that we're awaiting our certificate of occupancy to begin to worship and minister out of our new space at 9461 LBJ. Thus, you're getting this video, but regardless, I'm excited for what God is doing in our midst. I'd love for you to be praying for that certificate of occupancy to come through. But in the meantime, God is still good. We are not a church that's defined by a building. We are the church. We don't just go to church. We're the people of God that God has brought together for His purposes and glory here in Dallas. A building is awesome. It facilitates the mission, but it's not central to who we are or what we're called to do. It's an assister. It helps us do that. Well, that's enough on the building. I'll keep you updated as things unfold, but I'd love for you to be praying for that. going to start today this new season in the life of our church by reading to you a scripture from Ephesians chapter 5. It's a really interesting scripture, an important scripture, and one that's going to shape our next several weeks. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5 verse 18, he says, Don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for God. Now, what's being said here? Well, first, he's giving a command that as followers of Jesus, that we're not to be drunk with wine. Why? Because he said it leads to debauchery. It leads to immoral living, ungodly living, the type of lifestyle that Jesus has called us out of. Now, if you've ever been drunk with wine yourself or you've known someone who has, you get the idea. You understand the fruit that comes when you're drunk, right? But he contrasts being drunk with wine with this other concept, that of being filled with the Spirit. He says, hey, God's call in your life is not for you to be drunk with the wine of this world, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And just like there's fruit that comes from being drunk, there's a different type of fruit that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've read through the scriptures, if you've read through specifically the New Testament, you know some really awesome stuff happens when people, when communities, when churches, when families, when life groups are filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, they get to know Jesus more. You see, Jesus said the role of the Holy Spirit was to glorify Him, was to lift Him up. The role of the Holy Spirit was to open our eyes afresh to see the majesty, the splendor, the awesomeness of Jesus, to take our breath away at how good Jesus is. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit reminds us of the words of Jesus. The Spirit comforts us and helps us to know the love of God more and more. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we grow in our relationship with God. And again, you can see that throughout the New Testament. Second thing that happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, that's really good news, some really amazing stuff happens in their character. 
Uh, Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and peace and joy and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Our character is just good fruit comes out of it. I don't know of a, of a person that doesn't want, oh, I could use you know, some more goodness in my character, some more patience with those who frustrate me, some more kindness, right? That's what being filled with the Spirit does. It produces that kind of fruit. Third thing that happens when people are filled with the Spirit is miraculous stuff starts happening around them. You read in the pages of the New Testament that when people are filled with the Spirit, they see people supernaturally healed. They see people delivered in the name of Jesus. They see people come to Christ, families changed, restored, transformed, cities even turned upside down with the goodness of Jesus saturating everywhere. It's awesome when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be asking me, Zach, that sounds good, right? Uh, but, but how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? How does that happen to someone? Well, Paul goes on, good news for us, he goes on to describe the environment in which this happens. Maybe one way to think of it is one of the pathways in which people, in which families, in which life groups, in which churches are filled with the Spirit. What does he say? He just says it right here. He says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. It's an environment of praise is the environment, is the atmosphere in which people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just praising anything, but praising God. Singing praises to the Lord is the environment in which people are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a really interesting concept to think about. I remember as a young Christian, I had a great mentor one summer. I was working at a camp, and this guy was maybe a year, maybe two years older than me, but he'd been walking with Jesus a lot longer than I had. His name was Reggie. And Reggie was my co-counselor in my, in my cabin. We worked with 14 and 15-year-old uh, young men from all over America. It was an incredible summer. And Reggie would mentor me. He would teach me things about walking with Jesus. And one of the things that he said to me one day, he said, you know, my dad taught me how to pour out my heart before the Lord, how to come before the Lord and pour my heart out to him. And that struck me. I'd never heard anyone use that language. I'd never heard anyone describe that. But there was something about Reggie's relationship with Jesus that just made me take note that this was something that we learned how to do. It wasn't just something that might come naturally to everyone, but it was something that, that he had learned from his dad and that he was willing to help me learn how to do. Second mentor I had that summer, her name was Renee. She was about 10 years older than me, and she too kind of talked in this same language of learning to praise the Lord, learning to worship the Lord, learning to sing. And in the sessions in between, when kids would come and kids would go, she would pull the camp together for a worship session, and it was unlike anything I'd ever been a part of. She would lead us, and she would teach us how to pour out our heart to the Lord. She would teach us how to sing to the Lord, to sing our praises to the Lord. And I remember in those environments, just really sensing, wow, this is unbelievable. The nearness of God, the joy of God, the sense of courage and boldness and refreshment that was unleashed that filled us and gave us power to serve for the next week ahead. Those things marked me. And I want to take time in these next several weeks to lead our community in helping us grow together 
in praising the Lord, in worshiping the Lord, in singing to Him, and pouring out our heart to Him. I don't know if you've had a mentor like Reggie or a mentor like Renee, but they were really helpful for me to begin to grow in this. And as a community, we want to pursue this. We want to be instructed by the Word of God and pursue this to learn from Jesus and from one another how to grow in worship, how to grow in praise with the awareness that as we do that, we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be marked by the Holy Spirit. We're going to be saturated by the Holy Spirit in a fresh way. Times of refreshing will come in the Holy Spirit as we take these steps. So this might be new to you. I know it was new to me then, and I definitely still have a lot of room to grow. As we talk about this, I want you to think about it in terms of learning a sport. You realize when you play a sport, the first time you go out, you don't know everything. It, it, it's stretching. You're learning new things. You're, you're growing. You're trying new things. And after a while, each time you play, you get a little better. You understand a little bit more of what's going on. You grow. right? As we talk about praising the Lord, this is an opportunity to learn and grow like that. If this is new to you, right? if this is you're like, well, that's just not where I'm from or what I've done, that's great. We all start somewhere. And the big idea is we want to take steps together, you taking the right step for you, me taking the right step for me, but growing together into the things that God has called us to. So let's start with point number one when we're thinking about worship is this, that Jesus is the chief worshiper, that Jesus is the worship leader. If I were to describe to you, uh, what, what, how would you describe Jesus? If I were to ask you that question, you might say, well, he was a healer, and that's true. You might say he was a teacher, and that's true. You might say he's our Savior, and that's true. You might say he's Lord, and that's true. But Hebrews chapter 2 lets us in on an aspect of Jesus' ministry to us that's, that's not widely talked about, but it's very clear throughout Scripture, and it's very important as we begin this study on praise. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, talking about the ministry of Jesus, says this. Uh, it's, a, it's a prophecy about Jesus' ministry. It says this, I, speaking of Jesus, will tell of your name, speaking of God the Father, I will tell of your name to my brothers, the people that he's redeemed. That's you and me. That's the church. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Congregation is a fancy word for the people of the church. Here what we see, part of Jesus' ministry in our lives is to lead us in worshiping and praising God. In fact, in one of the Psalms, it says that God puts a new song in our mouth, that His work in our lives fills us with a, a new song, a song of praise to Him. And Jesus is the one leading the way in that. He's the one showing us who God the Father is, how awesome God the Father is, and He's leading us, teaching us, training us to praise Him to praise Him in song. We see this lived out in the Gospels in Mark chapter 15, after the Last Supper, where Jesus says, this is my body broken for you, and He breaks the bread, and He says, is my blood poured out for you, and He pours the wine. He, he fulfills the Passover feast. Then the Scriptures tell us that He actually led His disciples in worship. He led them in praise. Mark 15, 26, when they had sung a hymn, they being the disciples in Jesus, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives to the time where Jesus was going to be taken to the cross. 
right? So I just want you to picture Jesus leading the disciples in praise. Now, Bible scholars tell us the contents of this hymn is not unknown. It's actually known that it was part of the Jewish tradition around Passover to sing through a series of psalms. And this one, after the Passover feast, would have been Psalm 118. It's a power-packed psalm. It's a rich psalm. I'd love for you to read it on your own time, but I want to read you the opening chorus. This is what Jesus would have been teaching His disciples, what He would have been leading them in. Psalm 118, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Jesus is teaching His disciples a new song. He's teaching them a song about the truth of who God the Father is, and He's calling them to sing the praises of the Lord. So Jesus is a singing Savior. Now, He's not the only one. We also see in the Scriptures, it's not just God the Son that's singing, but we see God the Holy Spirit also at work birthing song. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this Ephesians letter, also wrote to a church in a city called Corinth, and he's talking to them about their times of gathering together. And he's talking to them about the role of the Holy Spirit when they come to meet. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, he says this, that when you come together, each one, that means every person, not just the, the people on stage, but every person has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, that the Spirit is at work in the people of God, that He's birthing things in them. He, he's pouring out things in them. And one of those things are songs, that the Holy Spirit is working in our midst, trying to, to move us to sing praises to the Lord, to be able to see and to savor and to declare together the praise of God. So the Spirit birth songs. It's not just God the Son, it's not just God the Holy Spirit, but we also see in Scripture that God the Father is a singing Creator, a singing King, a singing Father. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 tells us that God the Father will rejoice over His people, over people like you and me that He's redeemed. He'll rejoice over us with loud singing. He'll sing loudly over us, declaring His love, declaring His pleasure in our midst. So God the Father is a singing King. God the Son is a singing Savior. God the Holy Spirit is birthing songs of praise. Now this is important for us to see in that same vein, that same line of thinking. Do you realize that there are 400 scriptures about singing praises to the Lord? And when those 400 scriptures, there are 50 commands to God's people to sing His praise. It's really interesting to think about God as a father teaching us, His children, how to walk with Him, how to walk in the family of God, how to know Him and, and love Him and love people and, and see things rightly and walk in His purpose and plan for our lives, that alongside do not kill, there's the command to Sing your praises to the Lord. Do not steal and sing your praises to the Lord. Do not lie and sing praise to the Lord. Declare worship to His name. That's amazing to think about. Uh, the King David, when he was in a really dark time, a uh, really, really tumultuous time, he wrote in the Psalms that God surrounded him with songs of deliverance. 
It's amazing to think about just the pressure of life. He's got people out to kill him. Things are really dark. And he, imagine he's in prayer and he begins to sense God singing over him about how God was his shield. God was his savior. God was his refuge that God was going to deliver him, surrounding him in songs of deliverance. Right? This is a big deal. It's such a big deal that we learn how to do this, that we engage in this. Jesus said in the New Testament that if we didn't join in praising him, that the rocks that line the, the ground would break out in praise. He will be praised. And we as his children are invited to be a part of praising him. Just a few thoughts on how this has shaped me. You know, growing up, I, I'm not a good singer. You're never going to see me, uh, you know, kind of uh, on American Idol or The Voice or America's Got Talent or any of those type of, uh, of shows. I'd be really even nervous to do karaoke, right? I'm not a great singer. But in learning this and being taught by the scriptures and being mentored by people like Reggie and Renee, I've realized that it's not uh, about who has a good voice or doesn't have a good voice, but it's about me as a child of God learning to praise Him in song. That it's not about whether I'm an extrovert who wants to be kind of a center of attention or an introvert who's like, I, I just want to keep to myself. It's not about introversion or extroversion. It's about me as a child learning to praise my father. Uh, other things, it's not about rich or poor. It's not about young or old. It's not about Democrat, Republican, black, white, yellow, red, brown. It's not male or female. It's not free or slave. It's not any of those things. We see that throughout the scripture. It's not just kind of the poetic, artsy people, but we see kings and shepherds, teachers, doctors, lawyers, uh, moms, dads, farmers, uh, young people, old people, all engaged in praising the Lord, in growing in praise. We also see that it's not dependent on their feelings. This has been a big deal for me. It's not that, hey, things are going great, so I'm going to sing a song of praise. It's right to sing praise when things are going great. But so many times in the scriptures, we see people in really dark places, in really discouraging situations, making the choice to focus on Jesus and to praise Him and to find strength in that place. So it's not about our feelings, but it's about a response to who God is, to His goodness, to His steadfast love. Remember, we're not led by our feelings. We're led by Jesus. And as we respond to Him, our feelings are shaped and molded and transformed, but they're not the things that leads. And so for me, those have been big points of growth in learning to, uh, learning to sing. Uh, learning to sing, even my, my voice is not that great. I can make it joyful, and that's what the Scripture calls me to. And learning to pour my heart out to the Lord. And learning to come when I feel like it, and when I don't, and to praise Him in that place. He's worthy of our praise. And in that place of praise, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So in this series, we're going to walk through a number of times in scriptures, different lessons we can learn about singing our praise to the Lord. Different things that happen, different situations, we're going to learn together. I'm going to share each time, I'm going to share one story uh, alongside scripture out of church history of people taking this that, that you might not have heard before, of people taking these truths and applying them to their lives and, and what God did. And then each week we're going to practice together. In just a minute, your life group is going to practice worshiping together. 
And like I said before, anytime you try something new, I know it's a stretch, right? So I want you to figure out what would be an appropriate stretch for you. But I want to encourage you to engage. I want to encourage you to step into this thing that God has for us, that we can learn and we can grow together. I'm excited for what the next several weeks have in store for us as a community, and I'm excited that you are a part. I'll see you guys soon. I hope you enjoy this time of worship.